important because so many people know about Jesus. Probably everybody in America, they know something about him. But Jesus said, few know him. Did you know that? And see, a lot of people would say, well, I know about Jesus. You know, I know that he did these miracles, and then I know that he died on a cross, and I know that they say, that, you know, he rose from the dead. I, I know all about that. And we think, okay, well, I know. I know all I need to know, and that's okay. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22, on Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, I know you. you. You know me, right? But I will reply, I never knew you. Depart from me. And you see, friend, that is just so serious <laughs> that we've got to talk about that. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't know about you. He created you. He knows about you. He knows everything about you. He knows more about you than you know about you. Because he created you because he's God. But what he was saying here is that there are many people who do not want to know him personally, who do not want to get close to him. You've heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Okay, and a lot of times that's used in a, a, a bad way, like, uh, well, I didn't get the job because somebody who knew the boss got the job. Okay, it's not what you know. I knew more, but it's who you know. Well, friend, that really is true with regard to your eternal destiny. It's not what you know. You know, at heaven's gates, there's no you know, Bible knowledge entrance exam. It's not what you know. It's who you know. And for the next five weeks, we're going to focus on knowing Jesus. And friend, when we come to a sermon, you know, we just hope that, well, there'll be something interesting. We learn something we never knew before. Friend, our goal is not gonna, to know more about him. It's to know him. It's to have a genuine relationship with him. So having said that, I just want to stop right here. I want us to stop and pray. And friend, I want you to pray. Silently, okay. You don't have to pray out loud. But I want you to pray. And this isn't a time to pray for your friend or family member or that guy at work. No, I want you to pray for you. I want you to ask God that you wouldn't just know about Jesus, that you'd know him. That you would have a relationship with him, that every day you would talk to him and listen to him, that you wouldn't, you know, stiff-arm Jesus and not let him get as close as he really wants to get to you, that Jesus Christ would become the greatest reality in your life. I want you to pray for you and ask God to help you to really know his son and get closer than you've ever been before. Would you pray?
God, you heard us pray. And for anybody who wants to really know your son, you'll answer that prayer. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to John chapter 4 if you want to follow on the screen or on new version, whatever you want to do, John chapter 4. A great, great story that just really drives this truth home. John 4, verse 1. Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, and of course that just ticked them off to no end. Although, in fact, it wasn't Jesus who was baptizing, it was his disciples. He was in no competition with anyone. So Jesus left Judea, and he headed north, going back to Galilee. That's about a four-day walk. Verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey of walking, he'd already walked two days now, he sat down by the well. And it was about noon, or your Bible may say the sixth hour, that's noon. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to him, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew? And I'm a Samaritan woman? How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. We'll just stop right there and say that just that last phrase, Jews do not associate with Samaritans, that's an understatement. They hated them. They despised them. They called them dogs. They hated them so much that if they were walking from Jerusalem, going north uh, to Galilee, they would take an extra day to walk around Samaria rather than walk through it. I think that when uh, Jesus got to the border <laughs> near Samaria, I think... Uh, with uh, his, Jesus' disciples, I think he took a boat. I think he said, okay, guys, we're hot. And he said, all in favor of walking through Samaria so we don't have to walk around it. All right, I want you to vote aye. And all 12 of them said aye. Uh, I think, I'm excuse me, I, I phrased that wrong, <laughs> didn't I? All of you that want to walk around Instead of walking through, say I. And they all voted I. Then he said, okay, all who want to walk through Samaria say nay. And Jesus was the only one who said nay. And he said, the nays have it. And they did. They walked through. After walking all morning they came to a well on the edge of town and the disciples went in to get some takeout from chick-fil-a while jesus is resting and lo and behold a samaritan woman shows up and jesus asked if she would draw some water for him and the woman at the well was so shocked that this man would talk to her for two reasons one because men in that day didn't talk to women that they didn't know in public and Second, she was a Samaritan. 
And Jewish men despised Samaritans. They looked at them with disgust and contempt. And Jesus didn't. Friend, Jesus wants, them to know, wants us to know him. And that means talking to him. And talking requires conversation. So Jesus has conversation with this woman. And he says in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that's asking you for a drink right now, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well's deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his, his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. <laughs> the woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty again and I won't have to keep coming to this crummy well to draw water. And she, obviously, was talking about water for our earthly body while Jesus was talking about life-giving water for our eternal soul. And then Jesus said something shocking in verse 16. He changed the subject. And, well, he didn't change the subject. But he said something shocking, verse 16. He said, go call your husband. Come back. She replied, I have no husband. And then Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. And I just, you know, I read that and I go, whoa, Jesus. I mean, don't be so cruel. I mean, didn't you read the book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Don't you know anything about being PC these days, huh? Why did... And the question, why in the world would Jesus go there? What did that have to do with living water? What did that have to do with the fact that Jesus loved her? How? Why did he do that? And how did he know all that stuff? How did he know that she'd had five husbands? Well, two things. Number one, Jesus is God. <laughs> and he knows all about us. We try to hide things from God, but he knows all things about us. But two, even if Jesus weren't God, Jesus knew it was noon. And women didn't come to the well at noon. In Jesus' day, and still in third world countries today, uh, women still get up early in the morning and head to the well. And they head together, don't they? And now, because women in America don't have to go to the well together anymore, where do they go now? They go to the bathroom. Right? 
I mean, you know, you're sitting at a table and, you know, and then a woman will say, oh, uh, I have to go to the restroom. Who would like to go with me? Now, can you imagine a man saying that? I've never said that, and I'm not planning to ever say it in my life, okay? And invariably, one or more of them will get up, and they'll go, they'll go in community as a group, okay? And here's my theory about that. They don't really have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> they want to go and talk. And you know what they want to talk about? They want to talk about their husband. Can you believe what he just said? Oh, I am so sorry what my husband just said to you. He's an idiot. I mean, really, he just doesn't get it. And I am so sorry. And after they finish talking about their husband, then they'll start talking about their kids. And they'll say, oh, my Johnny, he is so smart. He came in 37th at the all-county spelling bee, and he takes after me. I came in 38th. All right? And they'll talk about their, their husband, they'll talk about their kids, they'll talk about their family, they'll talk about all kinds of stuff. And then they come back, and I think I probably should stop and get back to the story with a, without getting into any more trouble, all right? This woman, she hadn't come early, so it was cool, and she had come alone. She came by herself at the hottest part of the day, and why is that? because she'd rather sweat to death than be with all the other women in town who treated her like a slut. As a Samaritan, she belonged to a despised race. As a woman, she slept around, and she was loathed by the village women, and she was leered at by the men. The woman at the well was rejected, she was guilt-ridden. You see, she tried to find love, the love she craved so desperately that she'd give her body away to do it. She had most likely not been loved or protected by her father, so she sought it from men who used her instead. She'd been rejected by five, five husbands and who knows how many one-night stands. She was despised, rejected, unloved by everyone except Jesus. Except Jesus. There may have not been another person on the face of this earth that loved that woman that day except Jesus. Friends, Jesus is the one who loves you even if no one else in the world does. And hopefully you have people who do love you. And that is such a wonderful thing, is it not? But friend, Jesus loves you more than anybody in this world does or can. wait a minute, <laughs> if Jesus loves us, why did he bring up this woman's sin and humiliate her? 
Why did Jesus expose her sins right there? Why did Jesus pick at all her painful wounds? Two reasons. Number one, first, not to shame her. To save her. He wasn't shaming her. He wanted to save her. And the second thing, not to hurt her. He wanted to heal her. And friend, Jesus is the great physician and he knows every pain in our life. The physical ones, yes. He knows the emotional ones. He knows the spiritual ones. He knows the relational ones. He knew every pain in her. He knows every pain in her. Why did Jesus touch those, those hurting wounds in her life? To heal her. And you see, we don't like dealing with that kind of pain in our life and that kind of sin in our heart, do we? No, we want to keep it under wraps, sorry. We don't want to talk about it. We don't even want to think about it. And what do we do? What do we do if we have a, a painful sore on our arm and somebody touches it, somebody bumps it? What do we do? We jerk away. Well, when Jesus touched the gaping wound of this woman's heart at the well, she jerked her hurting heart away. She didn't want to go there. So verse 19, the next verse, she changes the subject. She, she tries to get Jesus into a, a, a conversation about religion rather than relationship. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this very mountain where we're standing today, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is down there in Jerusalem, okay? The Samaritans, we say that Mount Gerizim is the holiest place to worship God. No, you Jews say you're wrong, Jerusalem is. And isn't that like human nature? When we, when we don't want to get real about our relationship with the Lord, what do we do? We talk about religion. We talk about religious issues like, well, what's the right way to be baptized? Is it sprinkled or dunked or dipped or what? As if God really cares about the method. We say things like, well, you know, I'd be closer to God, but there are so many religious hypocrites. As if the fact that other people might be hypocritical somehow lets us off the hook with having a right relationship with God. That's the issue. That's what Jesus is seeking from us. People will say, well, you, you know, theologians, they don't, they don't agree about who Jesus is. Some say he was fully God. They'll say, no, no, he wasn't fully God. Some, you know, all these kinds of... And there's whole institutes and seminars, you know, d debate who Jesus really is. And we think that that lets us off the hook so we don't have to know him. That's what he desires from us. So we either try to hide behind religion instead of a real relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus knew this woman did not want to deal with the pain of being unloved and despised and rejected. But he loved her too much to let her live in pain the rest of her life and die in shame. That's why he brought her back. 
Jesus and his love for her got back to what really mattered. Let's keep going, verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship God the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. It's not that place. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now, Jesus wasn't elevating one religion above the other. What he was saying was, listen, God revealed to the prophets, the Jewish prophets, about his son and about what God is truly seeking from us. And that's how we find salvation. Verse 23, yet a time is coming and now has come lady is here right now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth it's not the externals it's the internals for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks god's a spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth in relationship not in religious rituals Oh, the woman said in verse 25, she's had a revelation. She says, I know the Messiah called Christ. That uh, Messiah is the Hebrew word. Christ is the Greek word. It means God's anointed one who comes to die for the sins of the world, to carry out God's plan, to build his kingdom. I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. So what did she know? <coughs> Excuse me. She knew about the Messiah. She knew about Christ. She knew about Jesus. But Jesus didn't come to earth so we'd know about him. He came to earth so we would know him as our Savior, as our Lord is our friend, is our healer, the healer of broken hearts and broken bodies, is our savior, is our coming king. Jesus declared to her in verse 21, I, the one speaking to you right now, I am he. I am Messiah. I am God. Now it's very interesting. <coughs> I am he. That's the English rendering, okay? Three words, all right? Jesus only used two words. He said, I am. He did that deliberately. Why? Because those are the words that he said to Moses when Moses said, God, who are you? And and God said, I am. What's that mean? That means I am. That means I am everything. That means I am your creator. That means I am the sovereign ruler of the universe. That means I'm the only one that can save you from your sins. And we're going to, for the next several weeks, look at the I am statements of Jesus. So we can learn new stuff, so we can know more about him, so we can know him. So we can know him. So 
It becomes real in our life. So days don't pass without us thinking about him because he's the focus of our life. He's the priority. Knowing him. Verse 27, just then the disciples returned and they were shocked to see Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman, but nobody had the courage to say, Jesus, what are you doing? Uh, what, what are you talking to her for? Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town. She went back to the town that she'd come from and said to the people, you've got to come. You've got to see a man who told me everything I ever did in my life. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town, and they made their way toward him. Now, I want to ask you a question here. Did this woman's encounter with Jesus change her? The woman who snuck out of town in the heat of the day so that she could be alone and no one else would see her or go with her and snuck out to the well. That woman, is she changed from the one who, after talking with Jesus, runs back into town and anybody that she can find, she says, I met a man and he changed me. He told me everything I ever did and he forgave me. He's the Messiah. Was she changed? You see, that friend is what knowing Jesus does. That's what an encounter with Jesus really does. She came that morning ashamed, despised, rejected. She became forgiven and free and joyful and Jesus Christ had become number one in her life. Knowing Jesus, letting him come into our life. And my question this morning, friend, is Jesus a religion for you or a relationship in you? Have you gotten real? You know, we try to hide things from Jesus. You know, we don't want to bring up our sins. Friend, he knows them. He knows them. So dumb to try to hide them. He knows. Confess those sins. Be cleansed. Be forgiven. Be set free. Then, friend, we can be like this. We can go and we do. And listen, then nothing's going to stop us from telling others about Jesus. Easter's in two weeks. I mean, during the next two weeks, we're going to want to tell people about the fact that our Savior's risen, that Jesus Christ is risen, and he's coming back one day for his followers. That's what Jesus does. Jesus did get our forgiveness on the cross by dying on the cross in our place. And God proved that he accepted that sacrifice by raising him from the dead. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Now we're going to skip verses 31 to 38, not because they're not important, but that, uh, because then the focus turns to uh, the disciples, and today we're focusing on the woman. So let's jump down to verse 39 as we finish up. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus 
why? Because of the woman's testimony. Was she changed? She told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged Jesus to stay with them. And Jesus stayed there for two days. And because of Jesus' words to them, many more became believers in him. And they said to the woman, now we no longer believe just because what you said. Now we've heard it for ourselves. And we know what? We know this man is the Savior of the world. Friend, Jesus is the Savior. He's not the condemner. When Jesus brought up this uh, about uh, this woman at the well, past life, he wasn't condemning her. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Jesus is the Savior, not the condemner. He knows your sins, and he wants them to be cleansed and forgiven. He is the grace giver, not the guilt giver. If you've got guilt this morning, it's not because of God, it's because of you. And Jesus wants to take it away. Jesus is the healer. He's not the tormentor. He doesn't want to make us miserable. He wants to bring joy and meaning and fulfillment to our life. The woman at the well had come out in the heat of the day to to avoid being wounded anymore by the cruel stares and vicious slander. She felt dirty and despised. She tried to medicate her self-guilt, but she couldn't heal herself. She needed Jesus, the Son of God, and the only Savior for our sins. Friend, we are the woman at the well. It's human nature to try to hide our sins. As if Jesus didn't know. As if that wasn't the reason why Jesus came to earth. We try to heal our hurts, don't we? When we have a hurt, what do we do? We try to self-medicate it with pleasures or possessions or something. And friend, Jesus is the only one who can heal us. When Jesus told her, go get your husband, he touched that wound. She didn't want anyone to touch But friend, when Jesus touches the wound, it's to heal it, to make you whole. And so friend, it's insane to settle for knowing about Jesus instead of truly knowing him. Knowing Jesus is the only way to be forgiven, to be set free, to have a home in heaven. And so, today, what does God want for you? Why did God bring you here? Why did God have this story put in the scripture so that today you'd be hearing it? Why? Because the Lord wants you to make today your well experience. A time when you meet Jesus. An encounter with Jesus that changes you and heals your hurts and fills you with such a joy. (laughs) You can't stop yourself from telling others about him. 
I've had well moments, well experiences. One of the most exciting when I was in 16 years old. I was a junior in high school, and uh, my dad was a pastor. And so uh, I went to church, you know, all the time. And I wanted to be a good pastor son at church. I didn't have a whole lot of rebellion, and, and uh, I wanted people to think I was good, and my father was good. And so I wanted to be the good pastor son at church. But I wanted to be a cool athlete at school. And, uh, you know, I really knew that God wanted me to be a pastor, but I didn't want to be. Because I didn't want to be poor. Uh, now, I want to say to our church that thank you for giving your pastors good salaries. You really take care of us. This was a long time ago when pastors didn't get much money. And uh, I didn't want to be like that. And I didn't want to have to follow the rules that people make up for pastors. I mean, you know, when you're driving, you got to be careful because people are looking at you. You might get recognized. There goes the preacher, you know. <laughs> when I was 16, I went to Life Conference, and uh, many of our young people have gone to Life Conference. It's for Alliance kids all over the country. And when I was 16, I knew all about Jesus. I had heard every Bible school, Sunday school story. I knew it all. I'd have gotten a hundred on the Bible knowledge entrance exam. I knew all about Jesus. I got to really know. I found out that there was no earthly relationship that can compare with a relationship with the Son of God. You know, um, there isn't. I have a wonderful relationship with my wonderful wife and sons and so many of you. And friend, there's no relationship on earth that can compare with the right relationship with our Creator and our Savior and our coming King. How sad that most people don't want to get close to God. They're afraid. Feel guilty. We hope Jesus won't find out, but he already knows. We're afraid he'll make us miserable. No, he will bring meaning and joy and fulfillment to our life. We'll be right with God. We'll be in sync with our Creator. We'll be a part of the eternal plan that he's working. We'll be his child. We'll be ushered into heaven to be heirs, joint heirs with his son, Jesus Christ. What could be greater? What relationship could be more important? So what does God want for us? For you to make today your well experience. To get real with Jesus. We all have sin. Hiding it is the worst thing we can try to do. Because it doesn't work. We all have sin, and Jesus wants to take it away. Get real with Jesus, and get real close 
to himself. Aren't you silent? Walking with him every day. Make today your well experience. Right now, right now. You weren't there 2,000 years ago at the well, but you're right there now. Right now, meet Jesus at his well. Let him touch your wounds. You can't heal them. You've tried. He can. Meet Jesus at your well and let him make you well. Don't know about Jesus. Know Jesus. Let him pour out his love on you and love him back for who he is and for what he wants to do for you. Would you bow with me? Oh, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Please take away all those lies that we believe that God's out to get us, that he's angry at us for what we've done, that, that, that he's not going to forgive us, that, that he doesn't want to bring us joy and fulfillment and freedom and, and, and meaning in this life, God. Please deliver us, dear Lord, from all the other things that we try to bring meaning and fulfillment to our lives, the, the pleasures or the possessions or whatever it might be, God. Just deliver us from those things because they don't work. Oh, God, today, help us to realize it's Jesus, God. And, and would you, I don't know how we came in this morning. Some of us came in exactly like that woman at the well feeling unloved, unappreciated, rejected, despised, whatever it might be, God. God, would you help us all to go out like she ran back to town? We've met the Messiah. We've met God's anointed. We've met Jesus Christ. And he's forgiven us and he's, and he's set us free. And he's number one. Lord, today, give us your well experience so we know your son, Jesus. 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 Amen. Would you stand?